If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I am joined by my co-host, Curtis. And we are back today to discuss everything, at least try to discuss everything, that has happened across the college football landscape since our last episode on Monday. We're going to talk about the big picture stuff, the Big Ten, the the Pac-12, the Big 12's decision to, to continue to move forward. We're also going to try to do our best to discuss how this relates to the SEC and the University of Georgia's 2020 football season. Now, needless to say, you guys know, a lot has gone down in a very short amount of time. Outside of sleeping and working out, to be quite honest, I've basically been glued to my phone or computer following every single update and development as closely as I possibly can. It's been pretty riveting stuff. It's been a whirlwind, man. It's been absolutely dizzying and also weirdly enthralling at the same time because at least as far as I'm concerned, there's just so much at stake. And college football and college athletics is just so important to me. It's It's been frightening, but also weirdly enthralling. So I, I know some of you might think I'm a, I'm being too alarmist in saying this, but I really think, man, that, that nothing less than the very future of intercollegiate athletics is at stake in the decisions that are being made by these individual conferences regarding the fall 2020 football season. But so much has happened, which means we have a ton to cover today. On Monday's episode, we covered just about everything that had happened up to that point. So today we're going to kind of pick up things with the Big Ten's decision early Tuesday to pull the plug on the 2020 fall football season. Big Ten commissioner and outright clown Kevin Warren, he explained the decision in an interview on the Big Ten Network by saying, among other things, that, quote, There's too much uncertainty now for us to go forward. This is a novel virus. It's spreading at an alarming rate. There are just too many uncertainties from a medical standpoint for us to go forward. Of course, as expected, the Pac-12 followed the Big Ten's lead later in the day. We all knew that was going to happen. We saw that one coming a million miles away. But they actually raised the Big Ten by going ahead and canceling all of fall sports through the end of the 2020 calendar year. 
But Kerr, I want to focus on the Big Ten here because they were the one driving this ship. We know the Pac-12 kind of fell in line, but the Big Ten was the one driving this ship. They're the one leaking all these stories, these reports, all the all this information to all those guys, those college football writers. We know that. So, Kurt, what did you make both of the Big Ten's decision to, uh, let's say, postpone, as they want to say right now, and Commissioner Kevin Warren's defense of an explanation for that decision? What was your take on that? To me, I think Kevin Warren's way in over his head. The That's the one, the vibe I'm really getting from a lot of the coaches and the people around the Big Ten that – Pretty. I mean, to me, I think Kevin Warren's a coward, to be honest, because mm. he didn't take. He did all this with the presidents of everyone at the university, without really getting input from the people that he's truly supposed to be representing with the athletic, you know, the athletic departments in general. Um, that's the one thing that really stuck out to me. And then his his reasoning is just all BS too, because like I said, if you really cared about students' well beings or you know the players' well beings, would you be trying to you know? Float the idea of playing twenty five games in a single season or in less than ten months? Year. No, you wouldn't. Absolutely so not. I just find a lot of his stuff disingenuous. And then my thing is too, you know, they're trying to go with the holier than art thou, you know, type of argument. But the, th- the one thing that really bothers me, and that I like that they're getting called out on it, is they say, well, we had this medical um, information that came to light that really is why we changed, you know, went ahead and changed it or can't, you know, postponed it, whatever you want to call it. Well, if that's the case, why aren't you sharing that information? Because the SEC and all these schools have yet to see any of their information. And I find that very troubling that you claim you have information which drove your decision this early, but you provide nothing. And when pressed on it, all you say is is there's too much uncertainty. Uncertainty is the buzzword. What? You're canceling? You're taking these opportunities away from, from all these players because of uncertainty? What are we doing? So you're putting a lot of this. And, and that's the thing. And, and like the thing is too, like you can tell, like they're not, I get the feeling that they're not even sharing it with the coaches. I certainly get that feel today. I actually watched a press conference with Ryan day this afternoon, actually just a couple minutes ago. And the look on his face, the disgust in his facial expression when asked like, what is the big 10 telling you guys? And he basically, his response, I can't remember word for word was basically though, we have heard nothing from the Big Ten. Just the way he said it and the look on his face when he said it, I was like, oh, my God. These guys, like, they are pissed. And I understand it. I, get I wouldn't it. be shocked like, if uh, Kevin Warren's out looking for a new job sometime soon. Oh, yeah, you're right, though. What you said, like, the the actual programs themselves. We're not talking about presidents. I'm talking about athletic directors, coaches, and obviously the players. They were not a part of this conversation. At least – they really didn't have any influence. I, I think the coaches got involved in the conversation late in the game, but they clearly did not have much influence. Those voices were not really heard. And then on top of that, you compound that issue by not communicating with them, not being 100% transparent, which I'm sorry. I think that you are, you have an obligation to be 100% transparent when you're making a decision with these kind of stakes behind it, taking these opportunities away from these coaches and players who have worked so hard for so long. It's absolutely unconscionable to me. It it truly is. And so you put a lot of the blame on Kevin Warren. You put more of the blame on him than the, than the university presidents that voted against playing this fall. I put him on both of them. And, but I think the, the one thing that really, what a lot of the blame I put on him is he was the one that should have been communicating with the athletic departments. I feel like he, did a lot of this in the shadows. You know, we talked about it in the last show how a lot of it was done in the shadows, things like that. I think that he was um, 
one of those people that should have been communicating and wasn't. So that's why I put a lot of the blame on him. And I, I firmly believe, and I could be wrong, I don't know this, but I, I strongly believe that when guys like Pete Thamel and Pat Forty and all these different writers out yeah, who there. Who do you think they got working. all that information? Those people don't have relationships with university presidents because their jobs don't overlap. They don't try to create relationships with the presidents because the presidents usually don't know jack squat about college football. So the yeah. the only per the only reasonable person you could say that they were communicating with had to be Kevin Warren. Either Kevin Warren or someone from Kevin Warren's office on behalf of Kevin Warren. Like he, that, exactly. those are the that's where all the leaks were coming from was straight from his office. Because as you saw, the coaches were fighting against it. So it shows that they weren't the ones leaking the information. And like I said, it wasn't the president's. So it's, it's kind of common sense to think where it came from. Yeah. The infamous anonymous source. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. But yeah, I, I'm with you 100% on this. And I, let me ask you this. So this is Kevin Warren's first rodeo. Like, literally, he's brand new to the Big Ten. But what did Jim Delaney, the old longtime Big Ten commissioner, what if he was still in that position? Do you think this would have gone down a lot differently or would it have followed a similar pattern just based on – They may have still canceled the season, but it would not have happened this early. Well, here's what I would say. I, I don't think – Kevin. I mean, I, I know Kevin Warren clearly does not have the kind of relationships and just the understanding of all the uh, the behind-the-scenes maneuverings of what goes on with these college presidents in the Big Ten – in any way close to the way Jim Delaney did. Because Jim Delaney has been in there for so long. Well, now I really question him. I question him in general because aren't he's pretty much supposed to be representing the sports um, yeah. as the commissioner. You're not there to handle academics and all that crap. No. So now I got a question. You're you're a new guy, and you pretty much have lost all confidence in the in the in your constituents, or the, your constituents have lost all confidence in you. Well, I don't know how the Big Ten does, but I think the presidents are the one who hires him, right? I think those are the ones. Who yeah, and that's him. that's what it was. He didn't have he doesn't have the pull either to go against them. Which Jim Delaney? He's like a, he's like a newly elected politician that's truly beholden to them, right? He's like a politician who won a razor thin margin, right? Like JFK coming in nineteen sixty doesn't really have that mandate. Whereas Jim Delaney, like, look, he, Jim Delaney ran the Big Ten. Like, he he could stand up to this presence. And I'm not saying he would have. I don't know what he would have done. But if he if he would have felt that there was some value in just at least holding off on this kind of decision, I think he had the power and the standing to do that, which Kevin Warren just simply did not. He just doesn't. He doesn't have it. He's brand new. He doesn't have the the power. He doesn't have the relationships. He just doesn't have the cachet. And I, I think that was a major problem here. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm with you on this. This was a completely and just utterly – Flat out insufficient explanation from Kevin Warren in the Big Ten because, like, when when he went on the Big Ten, I, I don't know how many of you saw this. I actually watched it because I just I was obviously I'm just riveted by this right now. He went on the Big Ten Network. Dave Revson, who kudos to Dave Revson, I thought he did a really good job. They were not softball questions. He did a really good job trying to press him as much as he could on some of these some of these questions, some of these topics. But when he went on the Big Ten Network to try to explain the decision, like there was no data cited, there was no science cited. That, which is what they've been claiming has been driving their decision. He didn't cite any of that. Their explanation was literally that, well, we don't know enough. There could maybe possibly, I don't know, be some issues that we just aren't to the point that we're just not even going to give our athletes the option to assess their own risk. Like we said in the last show, make a cost benefit analysis. And, oh, here's a novel idea. Make their own decision. They literally cited, as I said, medical uncertainty as the reasons for this decision. It's so to me, and I, I think you're probably with me on this, Kurt. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But to me, it's about, like we said last week, I'm, and I'm going to ask you about liability here in a minute. But it's about our, like we said earlier in the week, liability, money, and power. The medical concerns 
the way I see this is like putting this idea out there that there are uns- there's too much uncertainty with the medical implications behind coronavirus and myocarditis, the heart inflammation issue. Like to me, those medical concerns are just what they can sell on Twitter. So that they have like the social media mob behind them, supporting them as opposed to targeting them. Because if, if you say, if you're Kevin Warren, you come out and tell the truth, like, hey, you know what? What we're really actually worried about is the players organizing and advocating for themselves. And we don't want to take opportunities away from them. Uh, and we're okay with taking opportunities away from them just to save us from the very, very slim possibility of, I don't know, maybe having some sort of liability judgment against us. Because if you go out there and, and tell that story, then the social media mob has you firmly in your crosshairs. This is just a palatable explanation that they could put out there that would buy them some cover from all the social media mobs out there. Are you with me on that? A hundred percent. I mean, he really cowered down to including all the sports writers that he had pedal his narrative to those sports writers who in general who want to praise him for it. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, this, this decision. I mean, it, my whole thing is, like you said, if you really thought it was, you know, what had to be done and all these things, provide that information to show us so you, we're not sitting here trashing you because if you have great information i'll take it into account and that'll probably lessen my disdain for you but he won't do that yeah and and i want there's a couple things i want to talk about here like because i, I want to take what he said and look at this like okay are, is there's actually some like reasonable uh some reasonableness in this decision but i look at because so the, the thing he really cites here is the unknown right and what they're really talking about well, these eye-opening reports they're getting from their medical advisors they're talking about myocarditis right which is if you if you guys don't know what that is i'm, I'm sure by now you do you've probably heard it enough um but that is that is basically just an inflammation of the heart i don't say just that's a big deal it's an inflammation of the heart and it's usually caused by a viral infection and, and it, it absolutely can be serious i am not going to discount that whatsoever but here's what i would say myocarditis is nothing new it's been around for a long time and it's also not unique to covid-19 i think what like a lot of people are buying this argument like oh it's it's brand new just it came along with covid with coronavirus and now it's caused this crazy unique random heart inflammation that we've never seen before and it's like actually it's not unique to covid-19 almost any virus can cause this it happens it's it's really rare but we have seen this for years and years like I said, it can result from almost any virus. And and oh, by the way, guys, our program, I can't speak for every program, but I know that our program and a lot of other programs out there already routinely screen for myocarditis, for these heart inflammations. They screen for this stuff already. We are well aware of what it is and what it can do and how to watch for it and take care of our players. It's, and it's also not a death sentence either. Typically, if you're like, it's still, it's serious, it is. But if you're diagnosed, you typically have to stop strenuous activity for usually a couple of months. But it's something that most people, if it's caught, if it's caught in a screening, can recover from and do recover from. And if you're screening for it with like EKGs and all that kind of stuff, you absolutely are going to catch it. It really doesn't take all that much creativity to figure out a way to protect your players from this. What you need to do is test your players for coronavirus uh, two to three times a week. And if and when any of those players test positive, well, then you immediately screen them for myocarditis. And, and just do that based on the published screening guidance. I think it was actually published in June about this heart inflammation deal. Uh, and that's exactly what the Big 12 and the SEC are doing. So that holds no water for me whatsoever. And then the other thing well, is – Well, all they're doing is really getting the – I don't want to say uneducated, but the uninformed people to get on the side by claiming that. But as you said, if you have any knowledge – and as you sit down to pay attention, you understand it's not a novel problem. Yeah, and, and you're right. I, I think they, they cite 
like uh, health concerns because. But that's the only see, that's the only thing the only medical thing they've brought up too, and yet that's it. Yeah, that, that, and it's again very very slim with their explanation. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And I, again, what I think is behind this is obviously liability issues, as we talked about a lot in the last uh, on the last show on Monday. But also, and we, we touched on this a little bit on Monday, but I'm going to go more in depth here. They're, they're scared to death of the idea of players organizing. We saw this with a We Are United. We want to play. But this is, but they're, I, think, I think they're crazy for that, though, because realistically the players are or now organizing because what they truly want is being taken away from them. Put money to the side of being paid, but just having the chance to play where they can't make is pissing them off more than anything. So now you're giving them a reason to – to come together and challenge your leadership. I mean, and then Kevin Warren also, he, I lost a lot of respect for him too. When he said, you know, came out and was like, if Nebraska tries to play, you know, they'll be looking for another conference. Yeah. If I've never, like the line has been drawn the sand there. And if I'm Nebraska, and, I, and you I'm, have absolutely, like like he already doesn't have much power or, you know, no way, no way. I'm I'm looking for every option. I really am. I'm sorry. I'm looking for Even Ohio option. State said they're looking for it because they said, um, you know, you play non-conference games every year. Why can't we play? Yeah, Ryan Day in that press conference today said that we're still looking. Like we're we're asking the questions. He, he actually said Nebraska's doing the right thing. We're doing what Nebraska's doing. We're asking the questions of what are our options, and maybe they don't have options based on their contract. And I don't know what the contract says, but they're at and, and they're but they're going to ask the questions. And you're right. Like why, if you're saying that we can't play a conference season, why can I not go and work, look out for the the best interest of our program financially and what our players need and want? by playing teams outside this conference. And I don't know the answer to those questions, but they were asking them. And I think that's certainly what they should be doing. Yeah, and I love that he did that to um, Nebraska, you know, said, well, they can find a new conference. Let's see him say that to Ohio State. Yeah. Oh, you're not going to – no, no. Ohio State runs that conference. That's not going to happen. But that's why I love that Ohio State is doing it too. Yeah, you stole you stole my thunder a little bit there. You what, everything you said about the the organizing, you're exactly right. I I agree with you a million percent. I think by not giving the players a voice in this and not being transparent, I think this backfired on them. Like I think they were trying to undercut any attempts to organize and say, "Well, hey, the best way to stop them from organizing is just to not have a season. They have nothing to organize over." But I, you're right. I think that's backfired on them. It's given them more reason than ever before. It backfired on the Big Ten in general, like the Big Ten, as we said thought they could bully everyone, but in the end, people, they gave up, gave, have given people a rallying cry. They absolutely have, and the, it's unbelievable that people are, these, I don't think these people are dumb, but yet you make decisions like that, and it's like, do you not have any foresight whatsoever? It's just, it's crazy, and we, we talked a lot about the liability issue on Monday, Kurt, and I want to come to this question, because I'm going to lean on you here. I think you have more expertise in this area than I would. But I've been thinking about this since Monday. Okay, this th- this idea that well they're going to can't they're canceling the, the the fall season because they are scared to death of what if some player goes to the hospital, what if some player ends up God forbid ends up dead, and the liability issues there, lawsuits the like. But I've been wanting to ask you this for a couple of days now. I'm not a lawyer, but I've been thinking about this liability argument, and it just doesn't add up to me. Like you are in law school, so you would know more than me on this matter. But if you're talking about liability. Don't you have to be able to prove like what caused the issue, some sort of causation when you're talking about liability? Yeah, you have to talk cause or talk about the causation. But the biggest thing that stands out to me is the opting in clause. You're not forcing these players to do it. Exactly. That, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, you're not forcing them to do it. And can that's you the all- biggest thing, like the concussion protocols. And it's a little bit different because you, you're the players never had the option to just sit out until things changed or whatnot. But that's different with this whole 
COVID-19 situation, the players have been given the option to sit out until they feel safe. Ah, okay, okay. All right, so that should – so you're saying Wait, that and, should – And in general, the whole – in general, the whole liability argument is a crock, a crock of crap because if you really care, you actually face the the possibility of being sued at a higher rate with students coming back on campus because there's 30,000 students per university, major university. That's a hell of a lot more lawsuits than 80 football players. Yeah, what about the the, the random college student that's sitting in a dorm with other people or in, let's say an apartment, on-campus apartment with, four, with three other roommates and they're not getting tested two or three times a week? Don't you still have liability there too if you have liability for the football players? Huge liability, but they won't do that because that – see, the college never truly gets all the money from athletics, but that's why they're pushing so hard. The colleges and universities themselves don't really get any of the athletics revenue unless the athletic departments are actually donating that money to the university, which happens sometimes, but they don't get the athletic department money, at least not directly. Yeah, and they need that dorm money, things like that, where they they're already charge you way more than it should cost to live in the crappy confines that students are usually piled into. Yeah, that's interesting. And and one more thing real quick on the liability. I'm just, I'm just throwing out ideas here. Can – like. With coronavirus, can you like would you for liability claims, would you have to prove where you got it from? And can you prove where you got coronavirus from? Well, not only that, but you'd have to really for the most part prove negligence. And if these yeah. programs are doing taking everything into account as has been shown and you know given to us, talking about all the testing things they've been doing, it's gonna be really hard to show. And if they can show that, oh, well, you caught it out at a bar or at a friend's house or a house party or out on a date with your girlfriend. To specifically show that that's where you got it from. It will be the biggest thing that sits out to me. Yeah, and I don't think – I don't know how you can prove, oh, yeah, I got the coronavirus at the football facility. Like, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. players have already admitted they know they can get it from other places. So, eh. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, look, again, I'm not a lawyer, but so I'm, I appreciate you giving me the expertise there. I just, I, I just don't – see you know think about it like at first thing, glance like okay yeah somebody gets sick you can sue and they might have to pay but think about like well in this situation is that actually going to happen especially when you're welcoming all these other students with open arms back to campus uh and if it, to me that's if you're saying like even if they do let's just say for argument's sake they do have liability if an athlete ends up seriously ill i would think they would still have the same liability if a student ends up uh, uh, just a random student on campus if that student ends up in the hospital or dead so it just it wasn't really quite registering with me so i appreciate you uh sharing those thoughts with me. But all right. Anyway, I want to I want to move on here too real quick. What did you make of this idea that was put out there by athletic director Barry Alvarez from Wisconsin talking about, yeah, well, we're not going to have a fall season. We're not going to play games, but we're still going to have the players train and work out for 20 hours a week. Curtis, how in the world does that make any sense whatsoever? It makes no sense whatsoever and I mean Barry Alvarez is very questionable ad that you know the tactics he does but in general it makes no sense to even ryan day touched on it that yeah the players would still be out there and he would expect them to be in pads because he said we have to train our young guys and get them experience you know and get them prepared so it shows if they're putting on pads and able to practice 20 you know even go out and practice full pads and stuff like that then why the heck what's the difference in going against your own team and going against someone else it truly it, it defies logic for me. I really have tried to wrap my head around that. Yeah, like, look, that's the thing. Everything, every argument they've come up with it, is being debunked by their own people or just it it has no credence. And that's the thing that's just really – I just don't understand. Like their hypocrisy or their idiocracy, whatever you want to call it, keeps getting debunked. 
I like idiocracy. Yeah, like I, the way my mind works, guys, is I, I like when I when I see an issue and I, and I see a decision made like this, I try to give the the benefit of the doubt to the to those people and I try to understand what are you what are you looking at, what are you doing here, and I just can't really find anything to support what they're doing because like to me it's like okay, so you, you're still gonna have players on campus at the facility around each other for 20 hours a week so they can be around each other in close proximity but they just can't hit each other because apparently what they're saying is the contact is what spreads the virus and to me that's just it's completely contradictory like if everyone on a team is being tested two to three times a week and i am not an expert but i'm just trying to think through this if everyone on the team is being tested two to three times a week then i feel like you can say with pretty strong confidence that everyone out there is practicing Everyone out there that's practicing is not infected. So if no one practicing is infected, then how in the world can they possibly spread to each other when the testing and screening is that extensive? And I think you can apply the same logic to games. If you're playing games against teams in the same conference, you have the same testing protocols, then how in the world is it going to be spread just because you're playing against another team in a, in a game setting when all these players are getting tested two, three times a week – going through these extensive protocols, it just doesn't quite register with me. And look, I, I, again, I'm not an expert. I'm not. But I just, again, just being a, an average guy, trying to think this through, looking at the data, looking at the science, and it's just not quite registering with me. I don't know. It's it's weird. But so they've said that they are not canceling. They, they, they went out there. They Of course, they leaked more information or at least gave talking points to their allies in the media, guys like Kirk Herbstreit and all the, the Pete Thamels of the world, the Dan Wilkins of the world. And you start to see this like late Monday night. Hey, guys, it's it's not that they're canceling the season. They're just going to postpone it. They're just going to delay it. They're going to try to play in the spring. Curtis, I know we talked about love it. I love their – I loved one of their Big Ten cronies. I mean, he's not really a crony, but one of the big – you know, he was a big Big Ten guy. Um, Urban Meyer saying, no, it's not possible. Because it's just – look, I don't like to speak in absolutes. I don't. But I just think it's – it's highly unlikely for so, so many reasons. I, I, and mainly the big reason for me is it, it's, it's this. The issues they cited as the factors behind their decision to postpone, if I'm doing that in air quotes, postpone the season, all of those issues are not going to go away by the spring. The threat of myocarditis is not going to go away by January. It's not going away, period. It's a thing that happens very rarely, but it's a thing that happens at with viral infections sometimes. There's not going to be a vaccine by January. And if there happens to miraculously in some way be one, college players are not going to be among the first groups to get it. There's just not going to be. Well, and the thing that really bothers me too, you have people at Herb Street and all them, they're just postponing it. Herb Street, you played football. You should know what the toll that would take to try to play that many games. And then I think it was the Pac-12 was floating the idea that they'd have two shortened seasons. So not only would 2020 be screwed, but the 2021 season would then become a joke. And how do you do that? So you're going to say you're going to play a, a shortened 2021 season, right? I said they play 10 games in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, but every other conference plays 12 games. Well, for the college playoff purposes, how do you get in? You don't. You just don't get in. You don't have the data points. You just don't. And you're, and you're taking money away. And from that's what's program. blowing my mind. The, the people, especially ESPN, you get a lot of people that have never played football and – but yet still think they know everything. But you'll see a lot of people that have played football really are the ones that are truly questioning it. Except if you're Desmond Howard, who was a joke saying that Nebraska should apologize to Kevin Warren. I thought that was an absolute Even joke. Even though his, uh, his, the head coach of his former team wrote an open letter criticizing them in, in his own way. Yeah, it shows, it shows who he answers to. 
Oh, Desmond Howard's an absolute joke. I mean, I hope if someone likes him, I'm sorry. You can like him. I just, I have like, I have no use for him. I, don't, I have no use for his analysis. I just don't think he's very good at his job. I do not. That's just me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But like to me, like if you can play in the spring, if, if all those like if myocarditis is going to still be around in January, if there's not really going to be a vaccine in January, if COVID nineteen is still going to be is, is still going to be there in January, the landscape's not changing. So if you can play in the spring, you can play right now especially when we're not right in the middle of cold and flu season and you're not in the time of year where you're getting 10 plus inches of snow in just about every single Big Ten state. That's that, 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 that to me, that just, I, I don't see any other way around. And I try to get all at all sides. And I just, like, if you can play in the spring, you can play right now because all those, the issues that they're citing right now are still going to be here in the spring. Even with the vaccine, the, the heart condition will still affect it because you can still get the disease, you know, the virus if you have a vaccine. So there's still the possibility of players getting that heart condition even down the road. Well, Haker, here's the thing. Players have already, have gotten myocarditis before, even before the era of coronavirus. It's a vi- It comes from any sort of viral infection. So even if coronavirus is gone, myocarditis can still be an issue. It's, and that's the thing. It's never been an issue before. But now it's an issue, and I, and I get it because coronavirus is more widespread than some of these other viral infections. I do understand that. I get that. But it's still an extraordinary – there have been medical doctors out there that are coming out. And this is not just because I'm not an expert. I'm trusting what the experts are saying. I'm actually looking at the science data, unlike the people in the Big Ten who, who claim they are. I'm actually looking at it. And there's plenty, multiple reports that I've read where myocarditis is extraordinarily rare and should not be used in any way to justify not playing college football this year. And look, and I know not all experts agree because obviously what – and it's one thing that drives me crazy. I don't understand this anyway. What the Big Ten's experts are telling them is very different than what the, the SEC's experts, the ACC's experts, and the Big 12's experts. It's just ridiculous. There's just so many different ways that even scientists themselves are looking at this. Like people think like, like science is just it, – it's a monolith, right? Like they all agree on everything, but that's not necessarily well, – You saw the, the Big case. 12 commissioner – I think it was the Big 12 commissioner said it where the ace, uh, Pat 12 was like – um, when you saw that all the information, you realized there was no way there was possible to have a season. And then the Big 12 commissioner goes, everyone sees stuff differently. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy to me. But I, I think the Big Ten has floated this idea of a quote-unquote postponement in, in some sort of spring season. I think they've only done that to try to mitigate the criticism right now with the hope that – Yeah, they're the trying to just lessen the blow right now so that when they cancel it down the road, it's, yeah, you know – Yep. Not holy war yet. They want to. They want to no. lessen the blowback right now, and then people will feel. They're hoping people, their their passions will die down a little bit, and they can very quietly just later on, maybe December or so, announce that a spring season. You know, we tried really hard, but it's just not going to work after all. I think. That, I think that's really what it is right now. Um, and I and I'm concerned though. And, and look, I know it's the Big Ten, and, the, and I hate I hate this for Big Ten fans. I mean, look, I'm no fan of the Big Ten and, the, and their programs, but I, I hate it for college ball fans. I love I'm, it though because they're they're I love that they're Almighty, their holiness. Yeah, made. I get that, but I just like I'm thinking if this happens, well, and I think there's gonna be a long term effect that people aren't talking about because when it comes playoff time now, that that selection board is gonna have a definite bias towards. The crap that some of these program, you know, you know, uh, conferences have put everyone through. 
Well, let's go there, Kurt. That's, that was going to be my next question. So the vote in the Big Ten, it was not unanimous. Uh, Kevin Warren was asked by Dave Revson, wasn't unanimous, but he basically refused to answer that question on the Big Ten Network yesterday. And several programs within Big Ten, we've talked about already, Nebraska, Ohio State, they've openly voiced their displeasure with, with this decision. There's no doubt we've seen that. Nebraska obviously being the most prominent of those voices. I mean, heck, they had a, a letter signed by their chancellor, their president, their AD, their head coach, that concluded by saying, quote, we hope it may be possible for our student-athletes to have the opportunity to compete. So they're trying. Um, and Kevin Warren, like you said, like later in the day, said that, well, Nebraska can't do that and still remain a member of the Big Ten. So it's gotten ugly, man. It's gotten ugly here. And I think the Big Ten has created a potentially disastrous situation for themselves. I, I think they have. So, Kurt, what do you think the long-term effects of this decision are going to be for both the Big Ten and the Pac-12? But more importantly, the Big Ten. Because the Pac-12 has kind of always been on the periphery. The Big Ten likes to think they're a big boy, right? So what are going to be the long-term effects of this decision? I think you're going to see football or just sports in general handled in a whole different way where they're going to try to take the power away from the presidents and things like that and it's i think the power structure of football in general will forever change i I, and you might be right and i I could see it happening i just don't know how how that's gonna work i mean it's it's i don't know how it'll happen but it's but something's gonna happen where the powers can be taken away from the people who made these decisions it's fascinating man it's it's absolutely fascinating uh i'll say this i think the big 10 brand has been wrecked wrecked for the yeah because they thought everyone would get on board right away yeah I, I, yeah, it shows that, too. Yeah. I, um, I think it was a Big Twelve writer who said it, and I agree that the SEC, you know, gave some uh, the big SEC and ACC gave you know pretty much said cho- choose a side, and the Big Twelve chose their side. So now you have conferences aligning against each other. If the other three conferences do end up playing football this this fall, the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, man, the Big Ten is going to be in a very, very precarious situation. It might take them years and years to recover if if the other three conferences in the Power Five do end up playing because they've called their bluff. And I'm not saying we're going to play because it's it's still touch and go, but at least we haven't pulled the plug and we are giving it a chance. We are watching the data, which is what should be done. We're watching what happens, watching the situation on the ground, and we're adjusting as needed as opposed to just blanketly closing down the whole deal, right? So if we end up playing... If the SEC, ACC, Big 12, man, it's going to be ugly for the Big 10. I mean, the, we talked about the financial implications earlier in the week. Like you're going to turn the gap, the financial gap, if there even – there isn't really a major financial gap really right now between the Big 10 and the SEC. But even if there's a slight – let's, let's just say the competitive gap. That gap is going to turn into a chasm. If you take this entire year's worth of revenue, like I think it was Nebraska said between eight and $120 million, poof, gone, and that's just college football. We're not talking about basketball. I mean, I don't know how they're going to be able to recover from that. I mean, Kurt, imagine like if someone said, hey, you know what? You're going to lose about 90% of your income next year. I don't know if I can recover from that. I'd be, I mean, I, I could, but it would take me a long time and I'd be suffering and really kind of skipping by for a oh, while. And I, and I think, well, the thing, you know, touching on that, the thing that cracks me up the most is you saw some uh, ESPN, I saw ESPN writers say it and got challenged today. Um, I want to give Mike Farrell some credit. You guy really receives a lot of crap. But he, um, you know, you see all these sports writers too saying it's only one season. Um, you know, mo- the money's not going to dry up right away. Just taking, you know, it'll be tough, but they'll get through it. And they ch- and he challenged that guy. Well, why don't you take a ninety percent pay cut this year since money doesn't dry up? If I didn't make, if I didn't get ninety percent of my income for a year, if my wife and I, if ninety percent of our our household income was gone, we'd be on the street. 
Exactly. That's why I think it's funny that you have all these people saying, it's just one year, the money's not going to dry up, then you do it yourself. I know you're right. And I think the financial issues might get exacerbated by the fact that, Hey, some fans might not come back. Like you and I would always come back. Diehard fans are going to come back, but the, the casual I would, fan, I would angrily come back. I'd be annoyed. I'd be happy to be back, but I'd still be angry for a long time, especially if I was a big 10 fan. But think about all the businesses also that are going to close. It's, it, it, it's Armageddon for a lot of these small college towns. Like I'm concerned for Athens. I mean, we'll, we'll, we're, we're going to get by, but it's going to like the business ownership downtown. It's going to be turned over completely. Uh, it's I mean, you can already see signs of that right now. Places are closing down. I mean, the Euro wrap down here closed on Broad Street. It's just it's tough, man. But I think if you lose some of your casual fans, like the, the, the diehard fans are going to be there. I would be back because it's in my DNA. It's in my blood. I'm not going anywhere. It, it's, it's who I am. But there are casual. There, but fans. there will be fans that may go to games. But you're going to lose a lot of uh, boosters, too. It's going to be a big thing because sure. they're sick of it being made political like it has. And it's just, they're not going to want to give to the programs. They may buy tickets, but buying tickets on the secondary market and having to pay the you know, the fee to buy it and all the donation stuff is where it's going to really, really yeah. hurt them. Do donors – are they willing to donate as much? Are your ratings going to be as high? Even, even the fans that don't go to the game, are, are as many people going to tune into your games now? Think about baseball in 1994 if that strike. Think about what happened to their ratings and think about what happened to their fan base. Think about the NFL for a while. The NFL really had to work to get back their ratings. And if your ratings start to go down, then what happens to the value of your future TV contracts, which is where the big money really comes in. Yeah, gate is great. Getting people to come to games is great. That helps. But the big money is in the college playoff in your TV deals. And if your ratings go down, you can't demand as much money. So the value of your of your product just goes down tremendously. So I think there's major financial implications here that a lot of people aren't even considering beyond just like saying, oh, well, we're not going to make the money this year. I'm talking about financial implications moving into the future. Well, and think well. about it. The NFL is going to jump on Saturdays. It's going to be hard as heck to get that back. I'm extraordinarily – I mentioned that last on, on, on Monday. I'm, I'm extraordinarily concerned about that because the NFL is a business. If they make a lot of money on Saturdays, why would they give that up? Why would you give that up? Be dumb. Be absolutely idiotic. They're not going to do it voluntarily. Oh, yeah, NCLA, yeah, we, we like you guys too. We'll help you out. No, they, if they see a chance to make money, they're going to do it. And I think the thing about recruiting here, Kurt, what, the, what do you think the recruiting implications are going to be for the Big Ten and Pac-12? I, w- I mean, if I'm a recruit, I'm sure as heck not going to go play for someone that I feel like is not going to fight for me in general. Where, football, where you don't feel like football is actually important. Like why, if you had options, why would you go to anywhere in a conference where you feel like football is not important, where you feel like players are not respected enough to where their decisions are, are basically where they don't even have a voice in the discussion. Why well, they're not stood up for, I mean, the SEC may end up canceling, but at least they're giving them every chance possible to play this season. Yeah. They're getting that. And that's right now. It's all you can ask for. And that's what the players want. They just want a chance where the big 10 didn't even truly give them a chance. Yeah. And, and the, and look, Ohio State has already lost some players. They, they already lost the top 30 even of end, a top 30 national recruit in the 247 composite. That's already happened, a decommitment there. And you're hearing it where there's recruits are apparently telling their coaches, I'm going to go play for someone that's going to fight for me. And you know what? I hope we benefit from that. Diamond Edwards, hey, you're, <laughs> I've talked about him before. He's one of the top recruits on my most wanted list right now. Dude's from Michigan. It was basically like Michigan, we were in the, in the conversation. And with this whole deal – I wouldn't be shocked for him to, to look down south and say, you know what, I might be ready to leave the great white north and come down and play where football actually matters. That would be, hey, I'd welcome him with open arms. There's no doubt. And, and here's one more thing I want to talk about with recruiting too, Kerr. This is something that I've been thinking about, and I want to he- hear your thoughts on this because maybe I'm crazy. 
But I think I'm not. I think I'm right on this. Think about the scholarship implications here for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Because let's say, like, what about the seniors? That's what, that, that's what I'm really talking about, the seniors. Because a right? lot of seniors aren't going to go pro now because if they have the chance to come back, especially like guys that – think about Richard. He came back because his st- draft stock wasn't that high. Well, you don't know if he's going to go jump pro now, not being unsure of where he's looking yes. at draft-wise. Lee Karen would be another example of that. Guy comes back, works hard, could have gone pro last year, might not have been drafted, might not have been drafted high, but could have gone and came back. Uh, and it's not only is it just wrong for those players, but think about the scholarship implications here. Like some of these seniors, like there are some seniors that are stars. They're going to go pro no matter what. What about the guys that aren't surefire draft picks? If those guys, if the NCAA does grant a waiver that says, just like well, you, you saw in baseball this year or right, college exactly. baseball. Yeah. So if the NCAA, NCAA does something like that for football, it says, well, this year doesn't count against the eligibility of Big Ten and Pac 12 athletes. Well, if they do that, let's say half of the seniors come back. Okay. Let's just say half of them, right? For each program. Well, what does that do to the 2021 class if you're still only allowed to have 85 scholarship guys on your roster? So does the NCAA try to alleviate those concerns by granting a one-year waiver like they did with baseball? And so the other but even if you do that, even if you grant them a waiver, where's that money coming from? Because schools are already going to be hurting for money. Yes. And now you got to have 10 to 15 more scholarships. Some schools can't, won't be able to afford it, and some schools won't want to. Even Wisconsin already said they are not allowed. I was going like, to say, that's what I was talking about with Barry Alvarez, where they still told those kids to go. Yeah, they said, well, this way is going to allow us to give you the option of returning for your senior year, but we're not going to let you because we can't afford to pay it. So that I, I think that's something you got to consider here. But think about this, too. The baseball thing it's and the spring sport thing, it kind of makes it's – a, it's a similar analogy, but it's not a perfect analogy because every – program in every conference was allowed to go over the scholarship limit next year but it does the NCAA try to alleviate those concerns by granting that one-year waiver that allows only big 10 and pac-12 schools to go over that 85 scholarship limit i don't see any way that happens because what that would do is it would put the other three power five conferences at a major competitive disadvantage because you won't have as many players on your roster as the other yeah their depth would be incredible Yes, it would, be, it would be completely unfair. And that's all. And you're supposed to do that to the three conferences that decide to play because of choices that were voluntarily made by the Big Ten and Pac-12. These are self-inflicted wounds. And think about this too. What about the Title IX implications? If you increase scholarships for men's sports to make way for the incoming 21 class and the seniors who otherwise would have would have exhausted their eligibility, well, then you have to either add women's scholarships, which I don't think is really feasible because if you're taking the economic hit – that you're going to take by not playing, how can you add more scholarships? Or the other option would be to cut more men's sports. It's an absolute mess. And I just don't see how the NCAA could allow just the Big Ten and Pac-12 to go above the 85 scholarship limit next season because that that, that puts, again, the SEC, ACC, Big 12 at a major competitive disadvantage, which is not something that they created. They didn't create this issue. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be very interesting because if they do that, and they have seniors to decide to return to play in 2021. All right, let's, let's say that they don't increase the scholarship limits. I don't think they can. I do not think they can give them a one-year waiver to go above 85 scholarships. It's just not fair to the other conferences. So if they don't do that, well, then if a lot of those seniors start to come back, you're going to have to make serious cuts to your 2021 class, this year's signing class, which is going to have repercussions for years to come on these Big Ten Pac-12 programs, especially if that hard 25-player cap stays in place. I think that's a major, major concern. That I haven't really heard anybody talk about, but I've been thinking about this. Like, what do you do with scholarships? Because it's not fair to the seniors to say, well, your eligibility is exhausted. We took your season away. You can never play again. But it's also not fair to the other three conferences who might end up playing this year 
to put them at a competitive disadvantage and allow the Big Ten and Pac-12 to go above 85 scholarships. There's no way that you can do that. I mean, the SEC would scream bloody murder. I mean, that is what would cause them to break away from the NCAA. Honestly, it'd be and, like and why Why should why, – yeah, why would the rest of the conferences be punished when they were the ones that ran and hid? Yeah, I totally agree, man. All right, so yeah, we've got a couple minutes here, real quick. So I want to run. I got one more quick question here. I want to bring the SEC into the conversation. We've got two Power Five conferences down. We have three left standing with the Big Twelve, ACC, SEC, all saying they plan to continue moving forward as of right now, and they're going to base that on the information they're getting from their medical teams. But how do these decisions by the Big Ten and Pac twelve to postpone their football seasons? What effect does that have on the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve this season? Um, the the big effect would be probably the playoffs, especially if they have one. I mean, at least you'd have three big conferences. What are you going to have a playoff between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten? That'd be an absolute joke. The one thing I loved was Steve Spurrier's quote. He said, it, even if, the, you know, well, now the Big 12's involved. But at first they weren't. And he's like, just have a championship between those two teams who win their conferences because that was who's going to be the national champion anyways. Yeah. I mean, do you think they can have a college playoff with just the three Power Five conferences that are remaining right now? I think you could take the top four. That's what I'd do. Yeah, I, I think you absolutely can. And Bob Bowles, the Big 12 commissioner, said uh, today, he was interviewed, and he said, quote, there's no obvious reason why it couldn't work. And I agree. I mean, think about this, guys. Kurt, how many teams are in the NFL? Is it 32 teams in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they can they can still have a playoff. And I know their playoffs are different. They, can, they have a playoff. They can still crown a champion. Well, if it's just the three Power Five conferences, that leaves, I think my math is right here, 39 teams. So if the NFL can have a playoff and crown a champion with 32 teams, why can't college sports do it with 39 teams? I, it, I don't see any reason why you can. Now, you, now you'd have Ohio State fans screaming, oh, well, we would have won it if we would have played. I'm like, okay, well, you didn't. So we had 39 teams playing. Well, blame your leadership. Be mad yeah, at your leadership. Yeah, that's your leadership's problem. It's not our problem. We had 39 teams playing. Whoever wins between those 39, 39 teams, if we're able to play, to me, that is a legitimate national champion based on the teams that were playing. And I hate to say this, Curtis, but Steve Spurrier was right. You're right. The vast majority of the true contenders for the college football national championship this year are from the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC. Sure, Ohio State was absolutely going to be a major contender, and Oregon maybe there on the periphery. But outside of those two programs, like who was legitimately going to compete for the national title this year? I know Penn State fans would say they would be up there, but I, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't see that. I, I did not see them as a national title contender coming into this season. I didn't see Michigan as a national title contender coming into this season. And if you look at it historically, if you look at it from a historic standpoint, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have won a combined three games out of the 18 total college football playoff games that have been played to this point. Guys, that's 16% of the games that have been won by either Big Ten or Pac-12 teams. They're all, and the only two teams to win those games were Oregon and Ohio State. Oregon won one in the first year of the, of the playoffs, and Ohio State won two. They actually won the national title that year. And that inaugural college football playoff. But since that very first college football playoff season, the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams have combined for four playoff appearances out of 20 possible slots and they have won exactly zero of those four games and were actually outscored 100 to 22 to 30 in those games now again that doesn't necessarily mean that Ohio State wouldn't be the best team in the country this year if they were playing doesn't mean they wouldn't win the national title doesn't mean that Oregon couldn't find themselves in the college football playoff this year they were right there on the precipice last year but if you look at historically those two conferences really aren't consistently contending for national titles year in and year out the way that the ACC, 
the SEC, and the Big 12 are. With the Big 12, obviously, with Oklahoma. But again, just the vast majority of the real contenders are still trying to find a way to play. So yes, if they can find a way to manage to play this year, then yeah, you can absolutely still have a college football playoff between those three Power 5 conferences. And heck, I think you'd even throw the AAC in there this year. Why not, right? They're always kind of there just on the outside looking in. But this year, why not bring them into the equation? Maybe UCF has another really good year. Cincinnati should be really, really good this year. So yeah, I think it certainly can be done. And in some ways, I think you can argue that the champion, with all the obstacles they're going to have to overcome to, to get to that point this year, might actually have earned it even more than any other team in, in the recent past. I think you can certainly make that argument. But going back to the uh, the idea, Curtis, of, of how this might impact the, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, obviously we're focused on the SEC. I think this decision by the Big 10, I think you have to look at it and say that it's certainly not good news that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are not playing. I wish they would have come around and played. I really do. It won't be the same without having some of those programs in the fold on fall Saturdays. It's just not going to. And any time another conference announces it's not going to play, it does make it tougher for your conference to play. The SEC, Greg Sankey, has made it clear. We don't want to be the only conference to play because then if something does happen to go wrong, God forbid, it just gets magnified. And the Big 12 Commissioner, Bob Bolsey, has basically said the same thing. But as long as those three conferences, the SEC, ACC, Big 12, as long as they hold firm and continue to push forward, watching what's going on, watching the developments, looking at the data, all those things, then there is still hope for the 2020 season. And by God, man, I am going to hold on with both fists squeezed as tight as I possibly can to any semblance of hope. So that's where we are right now. And and look, I know it's going to be different. I know that it won't feel the same this fall, even if we do find a way to play. But man, we so desperately need to find a way to play because if there is no college football, that's what seriously makes me worry about the future of college athletics. Yes, it would suck for my life. I would, I would be lost without college football this year. I will own that. I will admit that. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. But it's more than just me. It's bigger than me. I seriously worry about the future of of college athletics at large. And, I, and maybe I'm being uh, too alarmist here, as I've said. Maybe I am, and you guys are probably shaking your head at me. That's fine. Maybe I, I'm too close to it. It's too personal for me. I don't know, maybe. But I, I just have questions. Like, How many programs can survive? Sure, can Georgia survive with our reserve funds? Absolutely, we can survive a year. But how many other programs can? We, we can't play on our own. We can't play with like six or seven programs that are, that are these super elite wealthy programs while everyone else is kind of just struggling to get by. How many programs can survive? How many conferences can survive? What about bowl season? And I'm no necessarily huge fan of the bowl season. I wish we'd expand the playoffs, but that's part of college football. And the bowls actually pay out a lot of money to the conferences. So if you're taking a financial hit, you need the bowls. And can the bowls actually survive this year if there is no bowl season? I don't know how many of them can. How many college sports in general will remain intact beyond just college football. You guys know I say it all the time on this show. I talk about it as much as I can to the point where I don't don't annoy you, but I love college tennis. I'm a huge Georgia men's and women's college tennis fan, and I'm concerned. I mean, God, if they canceled Georgia's men and women's tennis, I mean, it was your blue blood college tennis program. It's like, that would be terrible. It'd be awful. So how many sports remain intact? How many scholarships are lost for future college athletes? The, the athletes that are in high school right now, as I kind of detailed on Monday's show. As Curtis was talking about, does the NFL take over Saturdays? What does that do to the future college football? Is college football going to be played on Thursdays and Fridays in the future? Like, wh- what do they do? Does the XFL, I know this is kind of out there in left field, but I mean, 
got to think about it. Like the Rocks bought the XFL, right? Does the XFL come in and establish itself as a viable option with these players that can't play this year? Can they get together that quickly? I, I don't know, but I'm, if I was Dwayne Johnson, I absolutely would be doing everything I possibly could to make that happen because that's how you'd make a splash with your first year owning that league and trying to put it on solid footing. I, I think that was certainly something that I would be looking strong at if I was him. So yeah, I think it does affect the SEC, but it doesn't mean the SEC is not going to play. I think the SEC has made that clear. Greg Sinke's made that clear. The ACC, the Big 12, they've all made that clear that they are going to at least, for now, continue on the path their own where they're, they're taking it step by step, day by day, being guided by their, their medical advisors, looking at the data, looking at the development, see what happens when the college campuses are filled up with with college students once again. There's almost certainly going to be some sort of outbreak, but I think by pushing season back to the 26th of September, as we have, with the possibility of maybe even pushing back a little further if necessary, we've kind of given ourselves a window there to allow the students to come back to potentially weather any sort of outbreak. Hopefully we don't have that. Hopefully if, if there is some sort of outbreak, it's, it's not a significant outbreak, but I think we've given ourselves about a month, month and a half there to work through that. And hopefully by the time the season is supposed to, or is currently scheduled to start, we'll be through the worst of that and kind of moving in a positive direction. So at least we are, are trying. We're trying. And again, there's hope. There's hope. I can't promise you anything. I cannot guarantee you anything, but we're still alive for another day. And at this point, I absolutely 100% will take it. I'll take it. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning back in today and hear our thoughts on what's going on in the world of college football. It's crazy stuff, crazy times right now. And uh, we'll definitely be back as more information comes available and more decisions are made. We're going to continue to cover this and share our thoughts with you guys the whole way through. And just as our players and our coaches and our entire athletic department have to continue to prepare for the season as if it's going to happen, we're going to do the same thing here on the Glory UGA podcast. Like I told you guys, I can't guarantee anything, but as long as our guys are doing their part and they're preparing and they're doing everything they can to get ready for a season, we're going to do everything that we can, obviously in a much smaller way, to help you guys get prepared for the season by, by covering this team as we would with any other year until we hear otherwise. Until we are told otherwise, we've got you guys covered and we'll be covering things throughout the month of August, the month of September, and into what will hopefully be the 2020 college football season. So thanks for listening, guys. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, no matter what, through thick and thin, always and forever, go dog.